really help us. Really, really help us. Really, really help us. Help me. And I believe the word of the Lord today is going to really help us. Amen. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. Told my son he missed a couple Sundays in a row. Need to see him this morning. You see him? Yeah, I said, son, you missed a couple Sundays. What's going on here? And some of it was legit, but, you know, that's my son, so I can give him a hard time. I can't give y'all a hard time, but he my son. I can give him a hard time. <laughs> that's right, Sister Maddie. I can give him a hard time. He mine. Amen. He's going to be 27 March 30th. Yeah, 27. And, and, he, and he's still mine at 27. I don't care how old he gets. He's still mine. <laughs> yep, March 30th, 27. I remember the night he was born. I was not saved, and I was a loony tune. But thank God, my son was able to watch my conversion, watch his daddy be a sinner and become a Christian. Amen. Good to see him. Now he got his daughter, his daughter, you know, his daughter. <laughs> You know, his daughter. <laughs> but you know what it is. <laughs> uh, Hosea chapter 10. Hallelujah. One portion of scripture in verse number 12. The scripture says in verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, Break up your follow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. A whole lot going on in that scripture. You may be seated. Break up your follow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Spring will begin March 20th. So Peyton and Jordan, in eight days, they've been asking me for the longest, you know, because the, um, what they call the groundhog didn't see a shadow. Or see a shadow. I don't know what that means. But I'm saying, they, they, they told him that in school about the groundhog not seeing his shadow. So it's eight more weeks. So they every morning, dad, when is spring? So here we are. This is for them. Spring will begin March 20th. And it will go through to June 21st. We only have but a few more days before we need to start cultivating. The farmland. And so with the eight days, we need to do something in preparation to start cultivating our farmland. We have to cultivate the farmland so we can plant the seeds. If we don't do that, we will not be able to reap. A harvest. And oftentimes we want to reap harvests and forgot that we never planted anything. 
We never cultivated anything and we never planted any seeds. So when it's time to reap a harvest, you might look over there and see someone reaping harvest and you look and says, man, I know I got to reap mine too. But did you remember that they cultivated their land and they put seed down in the ground and now they're reaping their harvest? And so we're going to reap a harvest. We must cultivate the farmland. Our nature is as a farmland or our life, Tony, is as the farmland. I just gave you the natural way of how it looks, but our life is as a farmland. It has the potential of producing great harvests. However, if we leave any part of our farmland uncultivated, that lot will not produce any harvest at all. Have we left any part of our farmland or have we left our entire farmland uncultivated? I think we would view a farmer poorly if for many years he allowed the best part and the richest part of his farmland to lie altogether uncultivated, untilled. We would say, that's not a good farmer. Look at that great piece of land. It's just doing nothing, sitting there doing nothing. The wasted portion of that land ought to be taken from him and given to another who would worthily cherish the generous field and exchange it to yield harvest. Now you might not know what all that meant, but let me give you a portion of scripture here in Matthew. We went over it in Bible study Thursday. In Matthew 25, I believe it's verse 28. I don't think you have that, Sister Patrice. Because the Lord rolls, you know, sometimes stuff just roll. So, verse 28 says, Take therefore the talent from him and the gift and give it to him which had ten talents. For unto everyone that had but that for unto everyone. Let me look up there. Eyes getting bad. That's not good. For unto everyone that had shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that had not shall be taken away even that which he had. What the scripture is telling us is if you have a farmland, which is your life, all of us have been given this farmland, which is our life. And if we do nothing with it, guess what? God will use somebody else to do something with what God has already given them. And the talents that he has given you, somebody else will get it. And they will do something good for God. Because God is interested in what we do with the farmland, which is our life. He's interested in that. What are we doing with the farmland? Bad is the person who neglects to cultivate his farmland. But what shall be said of a person who fails to cultivate himself or herself? Man, I'm going somewhere. 
Our responsibility is to cultivate our whole farmland. Our whole life must be cultivated because it is our responsibility. As a human being, your responsibility when you become mature is to cultivate that farmland that God has given you. And so it is a responsibility. Unfortunately, many of us have cultivated a portion that's many of us that go to church. We've cultivated a portion. There's many of us that don't go to church that have not cultivated any of it. But God is expecting us to cultivate every part, the entire farmland, which is our life. He is expecting us to cultivate every bit of it. Not left any of it undone. Do you know what happens to a followed field? How it becomes caked and baked hard as though it were bricks. All the pliable quality seems to depart and it hardens as it lies cake and unbroken year after year. And the fallow ground remain untouched and then the weeds will start to grow. And then the thorns will start to grow. And the bushes and the rubbish begin to come in. And now this farmland that was so beautiful and had so much potential is unused, neglected, and nothing is happening to it. This farmland that God has given us. If you do not cultivate your life, your farmland, Satan will cultivate it for you. If you bring no crap, no crop to God, Satan will reap a crop from you. And so that farmland in our life that is untouched, that farmland in our life that we have not allowed to be cultivated, that farmland in our life that is just sitting there neglected and unused and untilled and, and not being used, that farmland that we're doing nothing with, it's beginning to pile up mess and stuff is happening and it's not yielding any harvest it's not bearing any fruit because you decided to not touch it you decided to not allow God to have access to it and God was the one that gave you that farmland listen we have parts of our life that nobody can touch We can live for God for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 5 years, 2 years. And we will seem to say, I'm giving everything to God. But there's just some part of your life. Uh-uh. You're not saying it vocally, but your life says, because every time you fail, every time something goes wrong, every time evil comes into your life, it's through that uncultivated farmland that you won't let God touch, that you won't do anything to it. Every time there's a problem, every time there's a situation, every time evil comes, every time something goes wrong, it's through that uncultivated farmland. Because we're not going to let nobody touch that. God, I hear you. Not going to let nobody touch that though. You always hear me talk about 
we don't mind giving up this and giving up that. Remember we talked about the rich young ruler on Thursday? <laughs> the rich young ruler, when Jesus approached him, he told the Lord, I didn't bear false witness. I didn't commit adultery. I didn't steal. I didn't murder. He knew the things that he did not do. And we can't live our life of, I did not do that. See, I'm a Christian. I don't drink anymore. See, I'm a Christian. I don't smoke anymore. Jesus approached him and says, what are you doing? Oh, somebody help me this morning. It's not just about what you do no longer do or not doing. It's about what are you doing? See, the, the rich young ruler, guess what? What do you got to murder anybody for? You rich. You do whatever you want. What you got to steal for? You rich. So the things that he was bragging that he kept from his youth is because there was no need for him to do those things. We do that even now. We brag on the things that we're not doing. Oh, I don't do that. Yeah, because that's easy for you. That probably was no big deal. It's part of your upbringing. It kind of, you know, interwoven with just who you are as a person. So it wasn't hard for you not to do that. You see, when, when, when it's time to do something that is not easy for you to do, you're going to know that. But all the things that's easy for you, no sense of going to brag about it. The rich young ruler bragged about it. And you see what happened to him as he started bragging? Jesus says, okay, since you're that good, let me just talk for Jesus for a little bit. Jesus said, oh, you the man like that? Okay, no problem. Here's what I want you to do. Sell all that you have and go serve the poor. Then I want you to come follow me. Dude, never budge after that. We didn't hear one more word from him. And I believe God is saying that to us all the time. The things that are untouched, the things in your life that you're saying, oh, I, I, I don't want to give that up. God is saying, now, that's the thing I want you to give up. That's the land that is uncultivated in your life. And God is telling you, if you don't let him touch that, if you don't get that land cultivated, you can't make it into the kingdom. We had lands, farmland, now life, that is not being touched. And we get up every day and we live every, every day like we're good. And we make excuses about why that hasn't been touched. Why we haven't turned it over to Jesus. Why? You can say everything that you want, but we have proof. We have Bible. The rich young ruler met Jesus face to face. And Jesus said, okay, that's good. That's good that you didn't commit adultery. That's good that you didn't steal. That's good that you wasn't fall witness, didn't bear false witness. That's good you didn't murder anybody. That's great. I'm glad you're doing that. But I need you to do something. Because all you've been doing is not doing. I need you to do something. So now, go and sell, go and sell your stuff and give the money to the poor. All the stuff that you own. That's a big lesson, man. It tells us the thing that's our most prized possession is what Jesus is going to deal with us about. The thing that identify you as to who you are, that's what Jesus is going to deal with the most. I told you, when I came to church, I had my little thing about me, and it was my, my who I am. You know who I am? I carry myself a certain way, man. I'm the man. And that's what God dealt with. It took me nine months to receive the Holy Ghost because I came to church. I was conforming, but I wasn't giving up who I am to make Jesus make me who I need to become. Yeah. 
One of the things was, I think before, before, before I got saved, before I got saved, before I got saved, after I was a kid, I don't think anybody saw me cry. I'm trying to think. I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about as I got to be an adult. I don't think I cried. Nothing made me cry. And I, and I, I, I was making sure I was going to guard against that because I'm the man. I don't cry. I'm strong. I don't cry. And that stopped me from receiving God into my life. Because when God comes into your life strong, part of what's going to happen is he's going to break you. And when breaking start happening, you can't help but to cry. And that's what I was trying to avoid. I said, man, I don't want to get the Holy Ghost in front of people standing up and crying. I don't want to lose my mind and going all wild in church and people talking about me. I was guarding my image. The uncultivated. I got baptized in Jesus' name. I was living. I was on the evangelism team. I was doing my thing. But there was a part of me that said, oh, I ain't trying to give that part up. I don't want people to see me uncool because I was always cool. But my God. If I didn't cultivate that area, probably today I still wouldn't have the Holy Ghost. But I realized that I have to turn that part over to Jesus too. The coolness had to go. I had to turn it over to Jesus so he can work on me. And so then I started living for God. And now I can just lift my hands and I will cry and watch the tears come down and wouldn't think a second about who's looking at me. Because now I'm proud to cry for Jesus. Before I got saved, I'm like, I can't be crying for no reason. And when, when I got saved, I just started crying a lot. I remember driving in my car when Kirk Franklin was Kirk Franklin. And I'm driving with the, with the, with the tape player in and Kirk Franklin singing. And I'm going down the highway. And I'm snot and cry and everything coming down. I'm driving. Oh, God, you the man. I'm just driving, crying. I'm like, if somebody look over my car, they're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> but, but, but. I, I gave that uncultivated part that I was protecting. That farmland that, that was not cultivated, that farmland that I was protecting against, that I was guarding against, that I even built up a fence that nobody get into this farmland, I gave that part up finally in order for God to do something in my life. Mm-hmm. That's how God's going to do it. He can't do it any other way. And so what you're waiting on or what you want to see God do, it might just be because that land that, that, that is not cultivated in your life, that farmland in your life is, that's not cultivated, that you've been holding on to, that you've been protecting against, that you've even built the fence up around. Now you're, you're guarding against that and God is saying, that's the land we need to begin to cultivate because that's where you're going to reap your biggest harvest. That's where you're going to do the best work that you ever can. That area you're guarding against, that land that you won't give up. That's the area that's going to produce the biggest harvest. Oh, help me God. God want to do something special in your life. And that part that you won't give up, that part you won't cultivate, God said that's the area that I want to do my best work in. What did I do, God? How did this all happen? How did those weeds how did the ground get so hard and the rubbish and the weeds and, and all this stuff came? How did that all happen, Lord? I didn't do anything, Lord. How it happened? How many times we wondering, why is this happening to me? I didn't do anything. How could this happen to me? I didn't trouble nobody. I didn't treat nobody wrong. How could this be happening to me? God, I didn't do nobody wrong. 
Why it seems that this always happened to me, God? I've just been living for you. I'm praying. I'm living. I'm good. Why is this happening, God? And it's happening because you neglected the area. That's all it takes. Neglect. No, it had nothing to do with you did something wrong. Neglecting is wrong, but we don't think it is. But whatever area of our life we neglect, that's where it's going to hurt us. So we wondering why these things happen and we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't treat anybody wrong. And I'm telling you here today, it's not that you did anything wrong. The only thing you did wrong was you won't turn that area of your life over to God. You have neglected to let God touch that area of your life. That's what you did wrong. You didn't do anybody wrong. You didn't treat anybody wrong. You didn't talk to anybody wrong. No, that's not what you did. God wants me to tell you, you neglected the portion of the farmland he gave. You, and that's why you're going through some of the things you're going through. Mm-hmm. So it's not about nobody. It's not about you doing wrong. It's about neglect of what God has given you to take care of. I merely fell into a little matter of neglect. And that's why this is happening. Listen to what the scripture says about neglect. In Hebrews 2 and 3, the scripture says this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That's the Bible. And so we always come up with this little conversation. Well, what if they on their dying bed? Well, what if they had a bad accident and all of a sudden they die? Well, what if? And we keep on having these scenarios. What if? What if? And all I can tell you is if they neglected to cultivate that land. Oh, my God. We keep worrying about how can they? No, we neglect to do something. And that's going to determine what's going to happen with our life. If we neglect this salvation, if you just ignore the word of God, if you figure I don't need to go to church, if you listen to the preacher decide that ain't for me, I don't have to do that, then you neglect. I can preach all day that we must repent of our sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and live holy and righteous to get to heaven. And you can hear it over and over, but if you don't do something with it, you neglect it. And if you neglect it, then you are responsible for what is going to grow up in your farmland. You're going to be responsible for the garbage, for the rubbish, and for the evil, and for the ground being hard, and nothing can be produced because you are neglecting the area that God is saying so if it's true that if we neglect to respond to the salvation the teaching of salvation is true for this life this farmland that God has given us we've been neglecting it we've been neglecting this area It's like sometimes we'll believe God to heal us, but we don't believe God to provide for us. We'll believe God to heal us, but we don't believe that God can, 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 can do some of the miraculous things that we need done. I need a new car, God. I don't know if he can do that. I got to go work two jobs to get that. 
Uh, we we, we, we want to think that, you know, okay, I know he can heal. Listen to me. There is nothing too hard for God. There, there's two things that I want you to think about when you think about hardness for God. Two things. So every time you begin to speak, well, and you try to make an excuse for God, just stop right there. Let me tell you the two things. He spoke to bones. Bones. Dry bones. Bones that's been dead with nothing in it. Just, just, if you knock them together, they make sound because they're so dry. And bones became humans again. Okay. What, what, come on. What else is stronger than that? And the second thing is this. When he died, he rose himself. He rose himself from the grave. Then, it didn't just stop there. Then he ascended himself to heaven. What more we need? What else we need to know that God can do for us? Because those are the two... What I just described to you are the two most important things to us as humans. I want to have life, and as long as I can have it, and a good one. And I want to go to heaven. Jesus Christ did that. What else he need him to do to prove that he can do anything? Before we decide to say, well, God, the reason why I haven't come. Stop it. And start to say, what can't he do? God is waiting for us to try him. He says, try me. He wants you to try him to see who he really is. But we're not trying him because we may just want to stay right where we are. Sometimes we become used to the situation because we've lived in it for so long. Sometimes we become used to just that situation. You can live in pain all your life. And when God comes and says, let me deliver you from the pain, you're like, I'm good. You became comfortable with the pain. And what we've done is we become comfortable with the things that has happened in our life. We say, well, you know, everybody struggle. Everybody go through. Hey, I'm here to tell you this morning uh, that even when you're going through, God wants you to look and say, I look to the hills from which cometh my help. Uh, for my help coming from the Lord. Uh, yes, I'm going through. But man, uh, I've got the victory already. Yes, I'm going through. Uh, but my eye on Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm going through. Uh, but I tell you what? Weeping man endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Yes, I'm going through, but trouble don't last always. Let me give you a little, slipping a little, little nugget here for you. You know the serpent is represented, is a representation of Satan, right? Did you know snakes are cold-blooded? Their blood is cold. Oh, I got a nurse over there saying, yes, I'm, I know I'm good. Because, you know, nowadays preachers, I feel bad for preachers that don't really do their studies. Because preachers sit in the, people sit in the congregation now and say, no, that ain't accurate, preacher. <laughs> they do. They do. So preachers better make sure when they come with the word, they better come right. And so, and so, uh, snakes are cold-blooded. It means they can't last over a long period of time, whatever they're doing. They need to go and draw from something to, to keep going. In other words, you and I are warm-blooded. We can be sustained forever. 
not forever for eternity, but we can sustain ourselves continually and we don't need to go draw from anything. I don't mean without God. I mean just who we are as people and living right and walking right and living our life. We can live our life right as long as we want. We can. Snakes can't do what they do all the time because they're cold-blooded and it don't last for a long period of time. So what I'm trying to tell you is the attacks of Satan can't last forever. Sooner or later they got to ease up. Sooner or later they got to go in another way. Sooner or later it's got to stop. You will out last the devil every single time because you are warm blooded and he is cold blooded. You can outdo the devil every single time. You just hang in there and wait. The devil can't stop you. Yes, yes, yes. He don't like that. I just told you that. But I'm telling you that all you got to do is just hang in there. Sometimes the devil mess with us and make us think that everything is going to fall apart right now. Sometimes the devil mess with us and make us think we got to do something right now. Sometimes the devil mess with us and make us think you better do something before it all just destroy. Everything is destroyed. You need to tell him the devil ain't got to do nothing. He wants you to make mistakes. He come at you to make you make decisions. Before you need to make them. He come at you. Listen, we all know they teach you. Don't make decisions when you're under stress or distress. And the devil worked good like that. I'm going to put them under some stress and get them to do something that they ain't got no business doing because they're under stress. That's how the devil works. He cold-blooded. So he got to get things done quickly. Because he know he can't last. The Bible says he got but a short time and he knows it. It's in two kind of ways. Short time meaning Jesus is getting ready to come back for the church and short time meaning he can't last that long trying to give you problems. Oh, the devil got exposed now. Whatever you're going through, don't panic. Tell your neighbor, don't panic. Don't make no decisions suddenly. Mm-mm. Don't panic. Don't make no decisions suddenly. So many people that's living for God allow the devil to get them frightened to the point where they make decisions too quickly and they find themselves digging themselves out of a deep ditch all because they made the decision too quickly. Neglect is very important. We can't neglect the farmland that God has given us. Follow ground in human nature will work. Listen to this. Follow ground in human nature will work famine and bankruptcy to every person who lets it have its own way. If you allow your life to be neglected or a portion of it to be neglected, you're going to experience famine and bankruptcy. Bankruptcy of life. Sooner or later, you got to deal with something. Sooner or later. Sometimes we think by putting things off, and I know I'm saying this in a different way now. Sometimes we, we think that by, by, by the ne- ne- neglecting something, we believe that uh, it's going to be all right. No, no, no. If you keep neglecting something that needs to be taken care of, the farmland needs to be taken care of. The devil giving you problems, you don't need to address that. Got to make sure I'm clear so y'all don't get confused and think I'm telling you something crazy. When the devil attacks you, you don't have to do anything because God is your defense. God is your shield and your buckler and your exceeding great reward. So when he attacks, all you got to do is just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord when he attacks you. But what God has given you, which is this life, this farmland, to cultivate it so he can reap a harvest from it, just leaving it dormant and neglected will get you bankrupt and will put you in trouble because you just left it alone. 
Yes. Break up your follow ground. Begin to look to what you have neglected. So now let's stop and see. Take a moment. This is a moment in time to slow down and say, what have I neglected in my life? Where have I neglected anything in my life? Slow down and see where you have neglected. Have you neglected going to church? Have you neglected praying? Have you neglected reading your Bible and not just reading but studying your Bible? Have you neglected loving people? Have you neglected treating people right? Have you neglected being kind one to another? Have we neglected these things? Have we neglected the, the, the things that God has told us to do a long time ago? Have we neglected how to worship, you know, worshiping God and praising God when we come to church? What are we neglecting in our life? Look at the land, the farmland. What are you neglecting? What are you neglecting? What are you neglecting? What are you neglecting? You know, I don't know when did we arrive at this point, but we have arrived at a point where we have justified that some things just aren't that important anymore. And that's pertaining to the things of God. Yes. This is uncomfortable for me to say, but I'm going to say it. You can't get to heaven without a pastor. I'm uncomfortable saying it, but I got to say it because it's right and it's true. You can't get to heaven without a pastor. Why am I telling you that? Because people are kind of just doing their own thing and just coming to church. And here's the truth. You will be lost doing that. God wants you to have a shepherd to watch over you. And you better get a shepherd that you respect and love and accept as a man of God. Because if that shepherd you don't love and respect and accept as a man of God or a woman of God, here's the truth. You won't receive what you need to receive. What did I tell you? The Bible says, except you receive a prophet as a prophet, you will never get a prophet reward. That's the word of God. And so none of us can get to heaven without a pastor. And so we just live vicariously how we want to do this a little, do that a little. Ah, I guess I'll go here today. I guess I'll do this. I guess I'll do that. That's not having a pastor. A pastor is supposed to be one that guides your spiritual life. And anything pertaining to your spiritual life, you need to get your pastor involved. It's just the, just the bottom line. If all we do is sit home and watch T.D. Jakes, and I love T.D. Jakes, you won't make it. Because sooner or later, you're going to need to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Sooner or later, you're going to have to be in an environment where you learn to love each other. Sooner or later, you're going to be in an environment where we have to build up and, and esteem our brothers highly, high, it says more highly than we ought ourselves. So sooner or later, we're going to have to lift up each other, build up each other, love one another. Sooner or later, we need to encourage one another. When you come to church, you 
just got to realize that you're encouraging someone and someone will encourage you. This is what the church body is all about. There's more to it than what you think. We only think that I'm going to hear a word. And I got to tell you today, yes, you come and you will hear a word, but you got to come with two things in mind. I'm coming to receive and I'm coming to give. Anytime you come into the house of God, it should be with this mindset. I'm going to receive and I'm going to give. I'm going to give God the praise. I'm going to give God the honor. And if there's one of my brothers and sisters, that I can help to be just encourage them I'm going for that too but when I come to the house of God I'm coming to give and I'm coming to receive you can't come with one mindset it wouldn't make sense for God to create the church it's a whole lot more that the church is here for not just to come and hear the preacher preach and go home and says alright that was a good word I'm encouraged until Sunday again break up the fall of ground Begin to look around in your life and see what's been neglected. Take a look at what has gone wrong in your life due to neglect. I guarantee you, for most of us here today, if you can think of some of the things that has gone wrong in your life, other than when the devil messing around, it's, it's because you've neglected something. It's because you've neglected something. Now, now, just stop and think about that. If you can look at your life and see what's going wrong, I guarantee you it's because you've neglected something. I will just give you one easy. Throw this out because this is softball. This is easy. Most of the things that will go wrong in our life will be because we've neglected to pray. Not say words. Pray. And here's how I'm going to tell you how I know. I will always use this. All-powerful, almighty, Jesus' right-hand man, Peter. When he denied Jesus three times, right before, Jesus said, come on, let's pray for one hour. <laughs> Y'all don't want to hear me this morning. That's, that's where it happened. Jesus said, come on. And remember, it was 12 of well, 11. Um, 12 of them that were supposed to go, Judas went his way, but 11 of them went. And Jesus took James, Peter, and John closer to him. The rest of them were behind. So it was Jesus... James, Peter, John, and the rest of them. And as Jesus was praying, them jokers fell asleep on me. And he went back, yo, man, can y'all pray with me? I'm getting ready. He didn't say this to them, but this is what he was trying to communicate. I'm getting ready to be crucified. And I need some help. And here I am praying my heart out, and I need y'all to help me pray. Y'all sleeping. I know, Lord. I know, Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. That's probably what we said. Thank God, Lord, over there praying. There's sweat. There's blood dropping. He come back. He's knuckleheads praying. They're sleeping. Third time, he just said, you know what? Forget y'all. Y'all are no good to me, not helping me. I'm just going to move on and pray. I know, I, I, know, I know things will be all right. And he just moved on. So when we neglect to pray, usually that's where we start having some issues. So, so a lot of times we wonder why the problems neglect. It's not so much about you did anything wrong. You're a good person. Very few evil people in the world. Not a whole lot of them. You're good. You're fine. But you neglected to do some things that God has commanded us to do. It is time to seek the Lord. To get that ground start working. How long shall I seek the Lord? Till he rained down righteousness upon you till he rained down righteousness upon you many of us 
may not quite be sure how to seek the Lord and maybe getting frustrated because we believe we're seeking him, but nothing is happening. Somebody say, man, because you know you feel like that sometimes. Man, I'm doing my thing and God ain't doing nothing. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 6 through 8. But the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh of the wise. Say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ from the dead. But what saith it? So here is what that's saying, if I tell you the rest of this, uh, the scriptures. Some, some of us want, we like to say this, Tony. Well, Jesus need to come down and talk to me. Mm. Who we think we are anyway? Who we think we are to try to think that we had the right to make Jesus do something? We wrong what we say. We, we think we can make. When you pray like you're trying to make God do something, you're in trouble. And probably that's part of your personality. You think you make people do stuff. So because you can make people do stuff, you think you can make God do stuff. God is God all by himself. And nobody's going to make him do what he don't want to do. He is God Almighty. And so when we pray, whatever we're praying, like we're praying it in, in, in authority, it must be something that he's already said he's going to do. That's prayer anyway. When we start praying stuff that God don't have nothing to do with, not going nowhere. But when you start commanded according to, commanding according to what he said he will do, now you begin to see some stuff. God will begin to do some stuff. So we can't make God do anything. And so that's what that was talking about. Here is the story. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. The word of God is nigh unto all of us, even in our mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. God's word is being echoed in your mind right now. God's word is in your heart right now. God's word is in your mouth right now. And so we're wondering why God don't come talk to us. And that's what God is saying. My word is in your heart right now. My word is in your mouth right now. My word is being preached right now into your hearing. Right now you're hearing my word. What more do you need? What God needs from us is for us to stop chewing on the word and start swallowing the word. We get the word of God in our mouth now and we chew on it. We chew on it. And, and every once in a while we spit it out. I don't like that. I know the pastor said we need to fast Friday or Thursday, but I don't. I know the pastor said it's, it's, it's important to go to prayer meeting on Saturday. And we just spit stuff out that we don't like. Oh, the pastor said I'm going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. God wants us to swallow that word. Every bit of it, every bit of it, all of it that's in your mouth, all of it that's in your heart, all of it that you're hearing through the preaching, God wants you to swallow it because that's the way the word is going to work in your life. You want me to give you some scriptures? I'm just not talking. It says, if you abide in me. 
and my word abide in you. It means when you become one with the word of God, then you ask whatever. Y'all ain't hear me this morning. Y'all ain't hear me this morning. We got to become one with the word. We have the word. But we're chewing on the word and we won't swallow it because we there's just, just some things about the word that we don't like. So we don't want to swallow it. Because if you know, you know that if you swallow it, you bought that. And you got to do that. But as long as I chew on it, it means that I haven't made a decision. I'm just feeling it out. I'm just chewing on it to see what's up here. And God is saying, swallow my word. Become one with my word so I can do what I said I would do in your life. I'm getting close to the end. How do I seek God? So I seek God by reading the word of God continually. I seek God by listening to the preached word. I seek God by obeying the word of God. And then I seek God by asking him for wisdom on how to apply the word of God that comes into my mouth that I'm going to chew and swallow. Persevere in seeking the Lord till he rain righteousness upon you. God wants to rain righteousness upon every one of us. Now I'm getting ready to bring it home for you. He is ready to rain righteousness upon every one of us. But we need to persevere in seeking him. Never be satisfied with any means. Rest not till you get to the end. Find the Lord or else keep on seeking him. If you don't get a word from him, don't stop seeking him. Don't just give up. Don't just stop because you're saying I'm not hearing from him. Keep seeking the Lord. God wants to rain righteousness. Upon every one of us. Huh. Listen to this. If we're knocking on the door and it don't open, we need to lock, knock louder. Isn't that what we do? So why we don't do that with God? If you're knocking on a physical door and you're knocking and nobody comes to the door, do you, don't you just knock a little harder? Uh-huh. So why we don't knock a little harder when we don't hear God or we don't feel God? Why we don't knock a little harder? Why why as soon as we knock? Well, I guess he not pay me no attention. I guess. And you just walk away. If it was something that maybe satisfied the flesh, you would have knocked a little harder. Mm-hmm. It is well to be near the kingdom, but it is an awful thing to not be in the kingdom. People get near the kingdom, but they don't get into the kingdom. That's an awful thing. King Agrippa said, almost persuaded me to be a Christian, but he wasn't a Christian. We got to stop letting these almost things. We got to stop just 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 allowing things to get close or chewing on the word or just the, we we, we got to get past that and move to the next stage of our walk with God by swallowing the word and and letting God do what He wants. We gotta we gotta cultivate this land that we've neglected. God wants to rain righteousness 
And here is the issue. He can rain righteousness till he blew in the face. If the land is not cultivated, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. That's why we can put a lot of time in going to church. And if we don't go home and keep studying the word and keep praying and keep applying the word of God to our life, if we don't go home and do something with it, if we don't walk out the church doors and do something with it, then that was just a good word. How many times we left church? That was a pretty good word. But we got to do something with it. So the, the land that is not cultivated needs to be cultivated, needs to be cleared out, Tony. It needs to be weeded out. It needs to be plowed and be ready for the seed to be planted. We are entering spring, and if we don't harvest and cultivate, if we don't cultivate the land, we won't reap a harvest. And so, in order for us to experience the righteousness of God in our life, We're going to have to start with this farmland. God wants to rain down righteousness. And I'll tell you what that is in a second. But the bottom line is he can do it because he's done it. But the question is why it's not happening in my life. I just gave you the answer because there were ground farmland in your life that you left neglected. You neglected it. And as God is raining down, listen, what you have been, you still are. What you have been, you still are. That hasn't changed. But you want more. You need to see something different. You need to experience the power of God more. Your answer is you neglect or neglecting a portion of that farmland that God wants to work on. He wants to rain down righteousness on it. But you got to do something about it. And so, we got to plow. We, 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 we got to break up the ground. We got to plow. And before we leave here today, we need to, we need to take a few moments and, and begin to cultivate that land that has not been cultivated. So God can have access and do what he wants to do in your life, which is to rain down righteousness. Some of us have been saying, man, that reign of righteousness, I don't even know what the, if that's ever going to happen. I, I don't understand if that's ever going to happen because I've been living for God and nothing has really gone the way I re- really would like it. I want more from God. I want to experience God in a way that I've never experienced, but I'm not experiencing it that way. Let me first tell you this. God wants to reap a harvest out of your life. Tell your neighbor, God wants to reap a harvest out of your life. I don't know if you said that like you believe that. I'll tell you again. God wants to reap a harvest in your life. Here is the story. Take your mind off of what that may look like. Get your mind off that. Because your way is not God's way. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. So take your mind out of where you got it, where you think he's going. Because sometimes you want to start thinking this is the what, this is what he's going to do. And God says, no, I'm going to reap a harvest. But that's not the way I'm going to reap the harvest. He wants to reap a harvest in your life. And so you remember the story about Elijah praying? 
the Bible said it had not rained in a long time. In in First Kings eighteen one through forty six, it said it had not rained for a long time. The heavens was shut up and no rain was coming down. And so Elijah decided he was going to go to God and pray for rain to come. Can you imagine? It hadn't rained, and you said, "I'm going to pray that it rained." And so Elijah decided, "I'm going to pray that it rained." And so Elijah began to pray, put his head between his knees and praying and calling on the name of the Lord. Lord, send rain. We need rain. There's a famine. Oh, God. Just think about that. As I'm thinking about that, I'm saying that to you. I'm thinking about it, too. It means that ground was followed. No rain. It means it's caked up. Nothing happened. Just think about something that's getting no water. Huh. But anyway, and so he praying, Lord, send the rain. Lord, send the rain. And he prayed. Then he sent his servant, go look and see if you see any cloud in the sky. The servant went, went, went back to Elijah, no cloud. Elijah said, all right, no problem. And Elijah went and prayed again. Just as fervent, just as hard, send back the servant. Go look. Servant went and looked. No cloud. Some of us know the story. Elijah sent them back seven times. And on the seventh time, the servant come back and say, I see a cloud as a man's hand. Just think of the, all the skies that he was looking at. And the only thing he saw was a cloud the size of a man's hand. But that was enough to encourage him to say, oh, when he came back and told Elijah, Elijah rejoiced. He knew it's some rain getting ready to come. It's some rain getting ready to come. You see, here is the problem with some of us as Christians. Non-Christians wait until something happened before they begin to rejoice. Non-Christians wait until they finally get it to say, look what I got. Non-Christians wait until they have it in their possession to begin to celebrate. But that's non-Christians. They don't know God. They don't have faith. So why should they celebrate Why should they rejoice before they have it? Christians, on the other hand, one of our big problems are we don't really realize. But what does it say about our Christian walk and our relationship with God when we have to wait before we get happy? When we have to wait before we celebrate. When we have to wait before we rejoice. What is that saying about us and our relationship with God? If you got a real relationship with God, you don't have to wait. If God says, Suzette, he's going to rain down righteousness, I don't have to wait for righteousness to come to know it's going to happen. That's what somebody do that don't know God and know how powerful he is and know how great he is and how sovereign he is. I don't have to wait until the rain of righteousness this come. All I got to do is celebrate and worship and praise Him and begin to thank Him for all His goodness and begin to thank Him for the rain and begin to thank Him for the blessings because I know if He says it, it's happening. Oh, God. Oh, help us, Lord. I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait to believe God is going to do something. I know God is going to do it. You live long enough for God, you know He's going to do it. I don't have to wait. I just start praising God because I said, God, 
Oh, God, I know you're going to do it. Oh, God, I know you're going to rain down your blessings. When the Bible says he's going to rain down righteousness, what it's saying is everything in your life that ain't right, God is going to make it right. Everything that's wrong in your life, God's going to make it right. I'm here to tell you today that God has sent me to tell you he's going to make everything crooked, everything wrong, right in your life. You just got to accept it today, believe it today, obey it today, rejoice for it today, praise Him for it today, worship Him for it today, but every way that is wrong in your life, God says, I'm going to make it right, I'm going to rain down righteousness, I'm going to rain down righteousness upon you. You got to get a hold of this today. God is going to make it right for you. I know it's some things that you probably already gave up on because it's been wrong for so long. But I'm here to tell you what the word of the Lord says. God says, don't you worry about what's been wrong for a long time. I sent my servant to preach to you today. Break up the fallow grounds. Just begin to rake up the ground. Plow up the ground. Get rid of the weeds. Get rid of the rubbish. Get rid of the garbage. Sow the seed. It's seed time. Won't you sow the seed and let me worry about the righteousness that I will worry down. Let me worry about setting things in order in your life. Oh, somebody got to hear what God is saying today. You got to hear what God is saying today. Aren't you tired of just status quo? Aren't you tired of just living, just going through the emotions? Aren't you tired of saying I believe but no results? Aren't you tired of just going through and doing what you've always done? Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired? Don't you think God has more? Don't you think God want to do more? Don't you think God want to Oh, don't you know that God has a whole lot more in store for you? God has a whole lot more in store for you. But he wants you to break up the fallow grounds. He says, break up the fallow grounds. He's got more for you to do where you're standing. He says, I got more for you. I got blessings for you. I want to rain down righteousness in your life. I want to set order in your life. I want to put things in order. I want to make things right for you. Yes, you may have neglected some things. Yes, you may neglect the ways of the Lord. Yes, you may have neglected the ways of the Lord. But God says, I'm here to make it right for you. I'm here to make it right for you. I'm here to make it right for you. If if you if you want God to step in today into your life and make things right, why don't you come to the altar today? Why don't you come and say, God, I want you to make it right. If you feel like God can do something in your life today, let me tell you, we must obey the word of God. The Bible says that we must not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of our minds. You get transformed when you come to the altar in faith. You get transformed when you obey the word of God. Transformation and the will of God being done is when you obey and step forward. God said if you don't deny me I won't deny you. And when you come forth today what you're saying is God I'm not denying you. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care who looks at me. But today I'm here for the righteousness of God to reign in my life. I'm here for the righteousness of God to be poured into my life. God's getting ready to do something in somebody's life. 
God's getting ready to pour the righteous rain in your life. It's getting ready to rain a righteous rain into your life. But right now, your prayer is to break up the fallow grounds. Your prayer is to deal with the neglected areas of your farmland. Look at your life now and see where you have neglected. And God wants you to deal with that right now. Where have I neglected? I hear the voice of God. And some of us, we've allowed a lot of evil, ungodly, immoral thoughts to just continue to float in our mind. And God is saying, that's where you need to start working on. Start working on driving out thoughts that are in your mind. That is evil. That is immoral. That is ungodly. He says every time those thoughts come into your mind, you need to bind them. The Bible says that we must bind the thoughts. That we can pull down strongholds. That we can cast down every thought and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Right now I pray for you to know that God, God wants to do something. He wants to set your life right. Oh, hallelujah. I'm struggling, God, to pray like I need to. I'm struggling to wake up and give you the time that I must give to you in fellowship and communion. I'm struggling, God, in treating my brother right, in treating my sister right. I'm struggling, God, in living a life that is holy and righteous and acceptable unto you. I'm struggling, Almighty God, in understanding the Word of God when I read it, how to apply it, how to live it out. God says, will you come? today and deal with those situations at this altar. We have come today and deal with those challenges at the altar because God says if you will let him deal he will reign. He will reign down righteousness. Ah. Come on talk to the Lord now and put it before him. Just you and God right now. Put it before him. Just you and the Lord. You and the Lord. You and the Lord. Don't you neglect what's going on that's wrong in your life. Don't you neglect anything that is wrong. Just be man enough, be woman enough to say, God, I know what it is. And bring it before him today. Don't neglect it, but just begin to just respond in faith. The righteous rain is coming. 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 But God wants you to prepare for it. God wants you to prepare for it. Oh, somebody help us today. Somebody, call on the name of the Lord today. And ask that the righteous rain will come. Prepare your heart. Prepare your farmland. Prepare the farmland. Prepare it. Prepare it. Prepare it. Prepare the farmland in the name of Jesus. No more neglect of the farmland. No more neglect, but prepare it in the name of Jesus. He tarabashalamaha. He roshatalabasiri. He tarashatalabasatalamaha. Let God touch you in a special way. Power, cultivate, clean out the farmland that you have neglected so God can pour out, so God can send the righteous rain.